tonight is, I, I'm just kind of looking forward to being able to talk about this. The, the title of the message is, Has God Really Said? Because when you look at the earliest account of deception, it is found in Genesis chapter 3. And so you can go there if you have a copy of God's Word. You can go and, and, and we'll be there the majority of the time. And I also have a couple of verses. Uh, I generally give quite a bit of verses. I like to allow the Bible to just speak. <laughs> uh, but as we talk about this tonight, I want to look at the first confrontation between Satan and a human being. And I want to talk about the lies that are still perpetrated even today. Amen? You know, here's a, 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 a something I, I want to share with you. You know, Easter is coming, right? Easter is the Super Bowl, so to speak, of, uh, in the church world because it's one of the most attended services all the way across the board. And we really want you to start thinking about evangelism, starting to think about inviting people, bringing people into the, into the kingdom of God, bringing them into an environment where they can hear the gospel, where we can, we can see when God moves on people and they begin to, you begin to see their life changing. That's what this is about. This is why we do what we do. And as we continue going towards Easter, we want to talk about evangelism. So it's very important, okay? Very, very important. Now I want to read you a verse of scripture. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse, verse 11. It says, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. As I was reading this, it really began to jump out at me because sometimes we can get lulled to sleep. By the subtleness of deception, right? The subtleness of it. See, I, I for one, love the Word of God. Love the Word. Like, this book has gotten me through the darkest areas that I've walked through in my life. This book has been the pillow I've laid my hand, head on many nights searching for answers and distraught over circumstances. So there's nothing greater than reading the Word of God, than allowing the Holy Spirit to let the words come off of the page and penetrate deep into your soul. The Bible is a light in a path of a dark world. It's the road map in this world that will lead you from here straight through the third heaven and into, into gates of pearl because it is God's Word. God's Word will never come back void. People feel like this book is outdated, but I can assure you this book is more relevant than anything you have ever read, even now. It was relevant in the past, it's relevant right now, and it's going to be relevant in the future. See, many people feel like they have educated themselves beyond the counsel of God's Word. Some people feel like they're actually smarter than God, right? This might be a little bit more preaching than teaching tonight, but I really feel like the Lord wants me to share this with you. Amen? And if not, you can throw tomatoes. <laughs> like one has said, Satan puts a question mark where God has put a period. Satan is always coming at us to try to get us off track. It's nothing new. He's always done that, right? He's always done that. Satan is not scared of the deep thinkers. He's not intimidated by the educated. He will use the latest tool that comes down the pike, like social media and all these other things. Satan, he will get involved in every area to try to deceive. Look at what the Bible says about the generation that we live in even right now. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, it says, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, are, are you seeing this? 
irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, holding on to a form of godliness, although they deny its power. That's basically saying, I have my own spirituality, right? There's other levels and different realms of spirituality. But look at what it says. Verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Look what it says at the back half of verse 8. Uh, I'm sorry. It just says, Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Look what it says. Men of depraved mind rejected in regards to the faith. When you reject truth, all you have is depravity of mind. That's it. That's all that's left. When the truth is resisted, depravity takes over, right? People begin to invent different philosophies and all these different things because the truth has been rejected. So tonight we're going to look at five lies and one truth because I believe that one truth destroys all of the lies. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I want to read it to you. Now, pay close attention. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in that day, And the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. We are up against a very real devil. We are at war with principalities in spirits on every front, Pastor Todd had spoke a while back on spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is still going on regardless if we're in a series or not, whether we're in prayer and fasting or not. Those are times when your, your, your senses get heightened, so to speak. But make no mistake, the devil does not take off. He's continually seeking to devour you. He's trying to devour your children. He is constantly barraging you with tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, trying to destroy your faith. He never takes off, and he's continually at your front door. Amen? As one, I heard one say, I know the devil exists because I did battle with him this morning. Think about that. Satan is the father of lies. He transforms himself into an angel of light. He's in the Old Testament. He's mentioned by the writers in the New Testament, and even Jesus himself mentions him. There are some today that try to minimize his existence. People say that we shouldn't talk about Satan because it will bring the hearer down, and that's exactly what the devil would want you to do. So he can slither around in the back and not be spotted, not be seen. He's the author of confusion and rebellion and darkness. And where you see these fruits, you are seeing the prince of darkness in action. Look at the subtleness that Satan will now begin to unfold in the garden with our first parents. Number one, his first tactic is to cause distrust in the word of God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, indeed has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. 
Now listen, Satan evidently possesses or manifests himself as a snake being crafty. And if you think about it, there's different theories. Either he was a snake, he took on a snake's body, whatever. Either way, the snake caught it and he was cursed and now you got to drag on the ground and you kill it with a shovel when you see it. I can imagine Satan, bitter, full of wrath, looking through the bushes at God, enjoying his children, walking in the cool of the day. He's the same devil who descended in a fiery rage in the backyard of Job when he found it was hedgeless and caused untold chaos. He's the same devil who confronted the king of glory on a mountain in Jericho and demanded to be worshipped. He's the same devil that is going around deceiving the nations, trying to deceive the people of God. But he's the same devil that will be grabbed by the nap of the neck and cast into outer darkness to stay away from God's children. Amen? Satan hates God. He hates you. He hates the church. He does. He hates us. I know that's a strong word, but he hates us. So we need to not think that everything is rosy in the spiritual world, that you always need to stay on guard because Satan is seeking to devour you. It's a a battle cry that we need to not forget about. Even in our witnessing, even when we're seeing people and we're wanting to discuss with them about the gospel, You know, sometimes when you talk to someone about the gospel and they're just giving you their philosophies and you can tell that they're way off, everything in you just wants to say, well, at least you're, you're seeing something about God, right? But Satan wants deception to stay there. And he wants us to walk away and say, well, you can believe in God, but you don't have to receive Christ or whatever. Satan will come in and try to deceive and try to nullify the conversation. Imagine as Satan is looking in the Garden of Eden, this place was absolutely beautiful. It was perfect. Imagine the smells. Imagine the the roses. Imagine all the plants and the fruit. It was absolutely perfect paradise, absolutely flawless. But notice this, God's permeating power was filling that place. That's what made it glorious because God was there. Now think about this. The snake approaches Eve. She's not even surprised, right? I mean, a snake come talk to you while you're fishing on the basin, you would probably freak out. And walk on water. But Eve had no reason to fear the snake because there was, there was no evil. There was no sin, right? So this is the first question ever recorded in human history. This is also the first time Satan interacts with one of God's children. And it's one of only three times that Satan speaks in the Bible. Now, look at what he does. He isolates her from Adam, and this is what he says. Has God said? Right? That's what we hear that, that today. Has God said? Does the Bible say? Can we do this? Can we do that? Is the Bible true? It, do we have to live by the Bible? Is the Bible really the word of God? Can you, can you not see the devil all over that? But that's what the devil does. He wants to catch you away from your husband, from your wife. He wants to pull you away from your life group. He wants to pull you away from the church. He wants to isolate you in darkness. He wants to take the lights off and devour you. He wants you to feel like no one knows what you're, what you're going through. He wants to make you look like a fool. He wants to make, he wants to tell you nobody will understand. You will be an outcast if you tell people what you're going through. And you will be looked at as a fool. That is a lie from the pit of hell. He is like a lion over a bleating sheep that is wounded. His desire is to pull you away from God. 
He attacks your mind, which drives your will and your emotion. He will fill your head with subtle deceptions, right? It's not the outright lies that derail you. You can see that from a mile. It's the subtle deception. He will try to pit you against your brother or sister. He will try to pit you against your a husband and wife. He will try to pit your kid against you. He will try to pit members of the church body against each other. He will isolate you and blow up your situation. And he will, he will make it sound like it's the biggest, most insurmountable thing. We always need to be on guard. When you are at your lowest point, you can believe the devil is coming to take you out. But that is where you can rest and be assured that God's presence is strongest because he is close to the brokenhearted. Amen. He will tell you, has God really said he will never leave you nor forsake you? Because where is he in your pit? Right? He'll tell you that. He plants seeds of doubt and uproots seeds that have been planted in your heart. Many times he will use the shovel of experience when it didn't go like you wanted and try to bury you in a grave of despair. He plants doubts about your future, your purpose, your abilities. He'll come at you like he did Moses and say, Moses, you can't even speak. How are you going to be a mouth person, a mouthpiece for God? He will do this by taking your insecurities and framing them up and put it on your wall. And that is all that you see. And the minute you try to raise yourself up, the minute God says, come see, he's saying, hey, look at this masterpiece that is painted. Look no further. Look at this thing. Look at your insecurity. You are a fool. And God says, I don't make junk. I know the plans that I have for you, right? I will continue moving past. And guess what? We're going to take this picture down and we're going to burn it because God knows the thoughts that he has about you. Our problem is we don't know the thoughts because we don't get in the book that tells us the thoughts about God. Nowadays, questions are more applauded than answers. If you notice, you're applauded if, you're, if you can think of all kind of questions, but you're prideful if you have an answer from the Bible. Can you not see the devil all over that? People that believe in this book are looked down upon, right? They're looked down upon. It's lauded and laughable to, to say that there's no such thing as absolute truth. That in and of itself is an absolute. <laughs> I never understood that. The Bible is a book of absolutes. This book tells us that there is a heaven, that every child of God will spend eternity with God. There's an absolute truth that soon Jesus is going to split the sky and come back for his children. There's an absolute that we will stand before the throne of God and give an account. And it will be a marvelous day as we stand at the Bema seat. And get rewarded for all of the things that we've, we've done. I believe we're going to have a glorious shock on our face. We'll, we'll say things like, I, you mean to tell me that little gesture that I did resulted in this person coming into the kingdom of God? Think about the devastation that buried your faith. And you rose up out of that and you're going to see 10 or 15 people and God's going to say, I know you didn't know what was going on. But look at the 15 people that are here because of that situation. We're going to have answers to the questions that are, that are eating away at us right now. I'm here to tell you, hold on. The answer is coming. You got to see beyond the, beyond the stars. You got to keep a heavenly perspective. You got to know that God is good and that he will work everything out according to his purpose and for our good. <laughs> It'll be one of those Peter moments. Remember Peter, Jesus said, you know, about they were, they were doing, they were fishing. He said, we, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. And then Jesus will say, cast out into the deep. Cast out when you don't understand what's going on. 
And when they pulled in all this fish, Peter said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Think about that. God, I didn't understand this. I don't understand. I'm so angry right now. And you get to heaven and God's like, look at what happened. This situation that you thought was going to derail you. Look at what I did in the midst of that. And we're going to say, go away from me, Lord. Go away. I can't believe I kicked and screamed and beat on the ground like a child. Look at what you did in this masterpiece. You want to talk about a masterpiece. You take your frame of everything that has gone wrong, your insecurity, and you mount it up and you say, watch God paint this picture. Amen? <laughs> but there is also an absolute that if we die apart from God, we will not spend eternity with God. These are inescapable. They, they, it doesn't matter what we think. It is what it is. That's why you and I exist. That's why this church exists. To, to reach out to those that are perishing, that are going the wrong way. And we're saying, come this way. Come to the narrow gate. Come on the narrow way. But how many of us are silent? And we're worried about what people are going to think. Come on, time is getting shorter and shorter. There's a date marked on God's calendar. And every single day that passes, it's X'd off. And we're getting closer and closer. Now is the time of salvation. Rush to your work. Rush to the streets and tell people about Jesus. Because we are not promised tomorrow. Satan lives in tomorrow. God says salvation is today. Amen. Number two, he will twist the word. Genesis 3.1. Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Let's look at what God did say. Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat it, from it you shall surely die. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> so Satan says, has, God says you shall not eat from any tree in the garden. But that's not what God said. He said the opposite. The goal of Satan is to always make you think, God is holding out on you. That's what, he, that's what he does. We know this biblically. He plays both sides. He goes to Eve and tells Eve, God don't want you to have that tree because he knows you're going to be like him. But then he flees off to heaven and tells God, God, Job serves you because you blessed everything that he does. He plays both sides. So when you're sitting here thinking what you're thinking, the devil is probably in heaven saying what he's saying, and you're seeing it totally different. Right? If you think about it, that happens today. Somebody walks in, you, you're friends with, they don't tell you hi on Sunday morning. Satan will come in and be like, hey, uh, so-and-so is mad at you. They tell you hi uh, every Sunday. They haven't missed a Sunday, actually, since January. And the last two Sundays, they didn't tell you hi. Mm -hmm. Probably in life group, when you shared what you shared, they didn't receive that too well. Now they're mad at you. Then you're sitting here thinking, man, did I share something? Then he goes to this person and he says, hey, so-and-so didn't tell you hi. They didn't tell you hi since January. They, you know, you probably didn't like what they said in life group. So we don't know what's going on, but that needs to be exposed. In other words, we don't harbor these things. We expose it. Hey, you didn't tell me hi. I'm going to come tell you hi today. I mean, it's that simple sometimes to unmask the prince of darkness. Satan will tell you, if God is your provider, why are you in lack? If God is your healer, why are you in the hospital? Right? He will try to bury you with evidence of circumstance. He transforms himself into an angel of light. He comes as logic. Right? Comes as logic. 
Think about all the lies that we tend to believe because we don't read what the Bible says we should believe. And this also tells us just because he crept in, people will claim to speak for God that are not necessarily speaking for God. She had no reason to think she would be deceived because there was no evil. But look how subtle. It blew my mind and I, I cannot figure this out. But even in perfection, with a glorified mind, she was still deceived. Think about that. Like his presence just brought confusion. See, this book is a hammer that shatters every glass of false light and philosophy. You can build your life on the word of God. You can absolutely do exactly what it says and expect a good outcome. Amen? Genesis 3, 2 and 3, the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the trees which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The woman said to the, to the serpent, which we can stop right there, how many of us dialogue with the one we're supposed to resist and rebuke? She's carrying on a conversation, and many times we do that today. We'll sit there and actually conversate the circumstance. We'll allow Satan to stack evidence against us and against God, and we begin to believe all of that instead of taking our circumstance and lining it up with the Word of God. We're too busy discussing this, right? The Bible says to resist the devil, and he will flee. Not conversate, not patty cake, right? <laughs> not, not say, well, what do you think? Uh, let me get your opinion. You know, you, you know God. No, no, we don't get our information from darkness. We get it from the word of God. Listen, my goal is to get you to love this book, to open it up and read it and drink it down like water and walk it out. I really, I'm telling you, if if whatever part of ministry I play here, it is to get you to get in the book. Because I'm telling you, the book will change you. Because it's the word of God. It's the life of God. It's the light of God. It's the word of God. It's the bread of life. Like one has said, Satan emphasized God's prohibition, right? And, and caused them not to see the provision. If you think about it, he kept his eyes, he tried to put her eyes on what she couldn't have instead of all what she could have had. That's what the devil does. They can eat from every other tree. We let doubts like this creep into our minds and begin to think, well, man, maybe God is against me. That tree does look pretty good. Remember, she was duped by Satan in a perfect environment. How much more in a fallen environment, fallen culture, can we be susceptible? That's why we need to be on guard. Don't think for one second that you and I are smarter than Satan. We are not. But in Christ, we have the mind of Christ. That's where we're able to stand. Satan has deceived nations. He has caused wars. He has pitted this country against this country. He's been doing it since the beginning of time. And little old Kelly from New Iberia thinks he can just get away <laughs> and not be duped. No, no. We put on the mind of Christ. We put on the word of God. We walk in truth. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from knowing and seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now back to, to Eve. She adds, you shall not touch it. That's not what God says, right? But isn't that like the devil? He wants to add something to it and dilute truth. In other words, I don't want to meddle too hard. Let me think of something. Water baptism saves, people say. If you don't get in the tank, you're not going to heaven. That's what people believe. So my question is always, so if you're on your deathbed, right, and you call out to God, do we have to get you off of the bed into the tank? 
Because then we have a problem with the thief on the cross who did not come down off the cross. And yet Jesus said, you would be with me in paradise. So water baptism is following through in obedience. But if you, if you get saved on the battlefield and, and say you're in, at war and you give your life to Jesus and you die on the battlefield, some will tell you that you don't go to heaven because you cannot, you didn't get in the baptismal tank. You see what I'm saying? Adding to a truth which is baptism is an ordinance of the church. We follow through in obedience. But if your life was to end before you get into the baptismal tank, you go to heaven because your faith is not in water. It's based on what Christ did for us at Calvary. So he'll add to and take away. She said, he said that we shall not touch it. That's not what God said. Number three, rejection of truth. Genesis 3, 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. That's a rejection of truth. Satan makes it sound like God is a liar. When when Jesus says that he is the father of lies, I believe he's talking about this moment right here. John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father. He's talking to the Pharisees, not, not you and I. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and a father of lies. So we see the inception, and do you not see how it's still playing out today? In other words, there's no penalty for your actions. In other words, you could just do what you want. You're not going to die. You're not going to get judged for that. And in essence, Satan was attacking God's reputation. Like, if God is the judge of all the earth, and yet he does not deal with the injustices of people that don't repent, could you imagine Hitler tiptoeing through the same tulips as you and I in heaven? <laughs> if, we, if, if we saw a judge do that, do that, we would think he was a hypocrite. We would think that he is an accomplice to evil, right? But God is perfect. He is holy. And he has sent Jesus to take all of our sins upon himself. So he is still justified in every action that he takes. Every judgment that he makes is absolutely 100% perfect. God doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> he doesn't make wrong judgments. Everything that God does is absolutely 100 without any question whatsoever perfect. I love that. I can put my, whatever I'm going through, God, you are perfect in this situation. You're working this out and it is perfect. This is not a mistake. You saw this coming. You're working your plan. I'm going to grow in this situation and you're going to grow me in power and might for your glory. That's how we take everything that comes down the pike. And it takes a while to get there because we got to struggle with the details, right? We struggle with, but why? I don't understand. But this, and then look at this one, this one. We go through all that. But at the end of the day, we sit down and we talk to our Father. And we say, God, I don't understand it. I don't like it, right? If we're honest, I don't like this, but I worship you. You are perfect. You are holy. You love me. I love you. I don't have to understand it because I know that you're perfect. I know that you love me and I know that you are for me. Right? That's the mentality we walk in every day of our life. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? Your name performed miracles. And I will declare, I never knew you depart from me who practice lawlessness. That's why I said earlier, it's relationship. It's not religious activity. They were doing religious activity. But we have a relationship. In other words, like I just said, we don't understand everything, but we have a relationship with him. We know he is our father. We don't have to understand it because we know who God is. And the way we know who God is is by what he says in his word. I need to speed it up. Romans 2, 4, and 6. Or do you, do you listen to this. This is one of the most beautiful passages of, of scripture. Or do you... Think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, 
not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and unrepented heart, this part's not beautiful. (laughs) You're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation to the righteous judgment of God who will render to each person according to their deeds. You see, the thing about truth, you will see a negative truth, something that's like, oh, but then you will see a positive truth. You see, there has to be both sides. What's the rush if, man, you know, if you don't make it, it's not so bad. You just won't be in heaven. You just kind of got honorable mention. What's the rush? It's like buttering the biscuits without putting them in the oven. You just keep it on one side. God is love. I know. He's, he's, he's awesome. He loves me. I'm doing what I want to do, and I, I still feel loved. Listen, I, I, I did that. Then one time this guy comes in, and he's like, hey, man, this is what you deserve. I was like, oh, that makes sense. And it made the gospel come alive. I don't dwell on the fact of, of the, the, the parts of the gospel that, you know, like, I don't sit here and say, well, uh, you know, hell, you know, a lot of people, they just stay on the hell thing, right? They just, they'll condemn you all the way until you get and say, okay, now you're good. <laughs> but like one of the older guys, we probably don't even really know his name. I can't think of it right off, right off the bat, but he said, In his presentations of the gospel, he kept one eye on hell and one eye on heaven. And I think that's a balanced view. Another one said, I'd want to be well known in hell as I am in heaven. Think about that. These guys are going (laughs) with these swords drawn at the kingdom of darkness and walking in light. And I think that's what... We're coming upon in and of ourselves. We're starting to grow in the knowledge of God. And we're seeing that there's a very real devil. That's why I'm bringing this out tonight. I don't want us to get lulled to sleep and think that everything's good and prophesy pleasant things and tickle my ear. All of these things. Tickling the ear is not necessarily something negative. I mean, not necessarily something that's false. It's just tell me good things. And I think with Easter coming up, We need to see what that wondrous event saved us from. I mean, we don't have to sit apart from God anymore. Because Jesus took all of our sin upon himself, paid the price, rose on the third day. So you and I, when we sit next to a loved one and we're holding their hands tight and we're just waiting for them to breathe their last, we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. We can watch them sail into the third heaven. That's the beauty of the gospel. Amen. (laughs) Hebrews 2, 1 and 3, it says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. For the message of God delivered through the angels has always stood firm. And look what it says. In every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. Think about that. That's in our life. So what makes us think we can escape if we neglect? Look what it says. So great a salvation. Listen, if salvation gets old to you, something is wrong with your salvation. Every day we wake up and we just see that God did this for me. When, while I was yet a sinner, while I was doing what I was doing, Christ died then. There was no like, okay, I, I guess I'll do it. Okay, well, let me go die. No, no. While I was yet a sinner, apart from God, Christ died. I remember that day so, so vividly. I was just on, he was preaching the gospel and it was 1999, it was an October night. And I just remember the visual. It was like lava just coming down and it was like an ice, my heart was like a little small ice cube and this lava just destroyed my hard heart. And he gave me a heart of flesh. In other words, I begin to see things differently, right? 
Like, I, it made sense. God loves me. That's good. I love me. Right? <laughs> so you mean to tell me I received Jesus? I got wonderful plans for my life. And he has wonderful plans for my life. This thing is going to work. No, no. It's when I said, God, here, whatever you want to do, I surrender all. All that I am, all that I will be, every desire. God, what do you want? My life is now your life. What do you want to do with me? I'm all in. Friends, that is abundant life. That is walking an abundant life. Amen? I hear the thunder. We receive. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Number four, dishonor. Genesis 3.5. God knows that in that day that you eat, your eyes will be open, knowing good from evil. Satan once again comes to try to attack God and make him sound like he has selfish motives. This is basically what this point boils down to is elevation of knowledge over God. You know where sin, really you, every sin can come from? Wanting something more than God, no matter what it is. Whatever desire it is, wanting that more than God. Every sin that can be named jumps off the diving board of this truth into the sin we swim in. It really is. So in everything that comes down, our, our that, that's why we have to be fueled, filled with the Spirit. That way that desire is no match for the power and presence of God in our life. That's why we don't want to dry up. We always want to get in the river. We always want to hear from the Word of God. We want to drink of the fountain of life. When these things come up, we say, no, I love God more than I love this fleshly thing. Right? And sometimes we're not full and we just jump headlong into something, right? <laughs> like, now you're meddling. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate it, and she gave to her husband, and he ate. This is the thought process we see today, right? My, I have my truth. I have knowledge of what I think truth is. I b you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, right? That's the thought process. My truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. It, 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 was, it was conceived in that world, and it's here today on every news channel we can see. <laughs> my truth is my truth, and I believe what I want. My morality is my morality. I will chart my own course. I'm the captain of my ship. You cannot tell me any differently. You're, you offend me if you try to tell me that there's absolute truth. I believe what I want, and there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it, right? But meanwhile, the grace of God is being moved through us. And we're loving people in spite of that mentality. We're, we're going in our own battles, in our own storms. And those people are seeing us going through things and they're saying, wow, I don't have that. My truth doesn't do that. And we're wooing them. And eventually, when they come in, it's the most amazing thing ever. That's why when you look at an altar call and you see people coming up, they're not just coming up like, I see it. They're walking out of darkness and coming into light. They're walking out of flames and coming into the glorious might of Jesus Christ. They're coming from bondages, addictions, things that are drawing them and destroying them. And Satan is pounding. It's like I can see Satan doing this, trying to grab them, trying to grab their foot. And they're just walking as God is drawing them. And they walk up and they come to the altar and they're like, wow, I see everything differently. They go home and they're like, oh, look, the dog is beautiful. I've been kicking this dog. <laughs> you go to work the next day like, no, man, you can take the last chips. Absolutely. You want me to fix your coffee? You don't just do that. You have a regenerated soul. God has worked himself on the inside of us. That's why there's no miracle like that. Now, look at what it says in 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to get through this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 7 through 12. I'm going to jump down to verse 10. 
It says, because they did not receive, look at what it says, the love of the truth. We have to love the truth. It's not a mental truth. It's a heartfelt truth. It becomes you. It becomes who you are. It changes you, right? You don't, you don't see things as things I got to do. You, you like, God, I get to come to church. I get to read your word. I get to worship you. I get to cry in your presence, right? I, don't you just love that? <laughs> you know, you get to a point where you just, I feel like you hit a plateau. <laughs> where you just, it won't come. I can't, you can't. I can't tell you how I'm feeling. That deal, like, I, I don't have words. Wish I was like Nathan. You can just come up with new words and big words and drive the point home. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you, give your life to Jesus. If you've given your life to Jesus, read his word. Let God change you. Let God change your circumstance. Let God empower you. Give God an opportunity to show himself mighty in your life. Bring God the most impossible situation that is in front of you and watch God smash it to fine face powder. And then watch the Holy Spirit blow it into the wind. That's the kind of God that we serve. Now, I know there's things that don't change. Remember, I told you, kick into perspective mode. God, you're doing something I don't understand. I don't like. Listen, literally, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I've literally been on the floor kicking and screaming when things wasn't going right, like through these crushing moments. But I got up, loved God even more. That's what God does. He don't want you to not lament to him. He doesn't want you to not tell him how you, how he feel, how you feel. He wants you to tell him. But remember, keep your eyes on that day when eternity starts, and we are going to look at all of these things that we kicked and screamed through, and I believe God's going to say, this was because of this, this was because of this, I thought I almost lost you here, but you kept on, and look what happened here. I'm telling you, that is true. That is going to happen. So take whatever it is that is destroying you, that is teetering you over the fire, and say, you know what? I'm going to see this thing in a new light with a new perspective one day, and there's no telling what's going to be attached to it. Amen. Now, here's the truth. The answer is the gospel. The answer is the blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says right here. This sums up the gospel. This is probably one of my favorite verses. Romans 5, 8 through 21. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Negative truth. <laughs> but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. Wah, 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 right? But because one person obeyed and all of heaven applauds this one truth. Many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that the people could see how sinful they were. Negative, right? But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, you could write that and put it on your window and read it every day and watch your soul leap out of your chest. I, I, I'm going to throw this part in here because it's like the stomp on the devil, right? <laughs> if S Satan is attacking this truth because he can't undo it, he can't undo it. The Bible says in Genesis 3, 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So if Satan cannot undo it, he tries to get you to doubt it. He tries to get you to hate it. He tries to blind you to it. He wants you to distrust it. He wants to twist it. He wants to dishonor it, he wants to reject it, and he wants to elevate what you think about it over the truth. And if Satan can get you to doubt it, 
then it removes the fact from your mind, but it doesn't remove the fact from true life and through, through history. Can we stand? I want to read a verse to you, and I'm going to close with this verse. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not, per- not perish, be have, but have eternal life. So I, I'm going to end it with this. If you can say this is the first time I've heard the gospel, I've never seen it this way, and you want to receive Christ, I just want you to raise your hand. I, I just let God see it. I'm not going to call you up. You might say, I just know religion. I just know, you know, I think I know about God, but I need to know Jesus, the one who saved me. I want to learn about him. I just want to see your hand. I know it's Wednesday night, and we all, and you know, you're the faithful. You come, and you come, and you hear the word of God. But if you have come in, and you have not heard the gospel, the gospel has not penetrated your soul, I want to give you an opportunity tonight. So I just want to see your and just slip it up. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to ask God to give you, as well as myself, more love for the truth. I'm telling you, that is what got me away from drinking. I was a full-blown alcoholic mess. And I remember reading and drinking and saying, God, I can't stop. And I remember, I said, God, give me a love for your word. Give me a love for reading. And it's like God changed that thing over and I put it down and I've been reading ever since. I mean, I come to work with bags, grocery bags of books. I can't get enough. And I believe that God can do the same for you. So I just want to, if, you, if you're saying, I need more of a love for the word of God, I want to see your hand. That, that should be everyone. Or if not, I'm the heathen in the room. <laughs> Father, I ask right now, Lord, that you would do what you have done in my life, that you would give everybody in here with their hands up an insatiable hunger for your word, to dig deep in your word, to pull out the diamonds of truth. And Father, I'm asking right now that you would speak to every person here. Father, you would protect them from the lie of the enemy. Satan, we bind you from being able to wreak havoc in every person's life and their family's life. We come against every plan of the enemy right now. We foil it. We send confusion into that camp. And God, we thank you that your glorious light is penetrating the hearts and minds of your people. And Father, that you are giving them an unquenchable desire to read your word father we speak that the bible says when two agree touching anything on earth it will be done by him in heaven father we agree right now for that truth to happen in the lives of your people god we love you come on give the lord a hand clap of praise tonight we love you we thank you god bless you good night you're dismissed